On today's show, busy weekend for the Houston Rockets, a pair of games against the Utah Jazz and the Boston Celtics. Alperin Shingun, Jabari Smith Jr. leading the Houston Rockets to the overtime win against the Utah Jazz. And they follow it up with a spirited competition against the Boston Celtics, but what ultimately felt like a schedule loss in that game. We're going to break down Alperin Shingun's dominance, tying his career high, the insane defense on display from Jabari Smith Jr. and Rookie Amin Thompson in the win against the Utah Jazz, as well as some of the defense in the game against the Boston Celtics. Plus, why it is time for Cam Whitmore. We're going to break it down for you coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. Throw it up to Caleb Green. Shingun here in the short row. Oh, my, that's the no look. Jabari for three and the win. Yeah! T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. The Houston Rockets select Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore. One thing I have never done is not made the playoffs, and so we want to take that step here as well. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian, a credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including YouTube. Now, today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on NBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked on Rockets part of your day every single day. Thank you for being an every day or whether it's on your way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for making the show part of your day every single day. Busy weekend for the Houston Rockets Pair of games back-to-back Saturday and Sunday night. Utah Jazz, then Boston Celtics. They survive and take the overtime dub spearheaded and led by Alperin, Shingun, and Jabari Smith Jr. on Saturday night, 127-126 against the surging Utah Jazz. Very impressive win, if I do say so myself. And then they follow that up with a, a spirited game against the Boston Celtics down a couple starters no Fred Van Vliet no Jabari Smith Jr. Jabari Herding's ankle late in that game against the Utah Jazz no timetable on his recovery progress however no boot no crutches which is always a very good sign for ankle injuries so no Fred no Jabari in that game still no Tari Eason and then no Jeff Green against the Celtics so down four key rotation pieces against the Celtics it's hard to tell if the Rockets actually played a good game or if it was more just the Celtics kind of toying with their food a little bit in that one. So I want to spend most of this episode focused on the Utah Jazz game. However, I may ping pong back and forth and may share some thoughts from that Celtics game. Uh, a lot to navigate in today's episode. We'll talk about Alperin Shingun, his uh, arguably one of the best games of his career against a very good Utah Jazz team. Jabari Smith Jr. and Amin Thompson with some absolutely otherworldly defense over these past couple of games. And why it's time to talk about Cam Whitmore and, and, and why the Rockets need to make the pivot to Cam Whitmore sooner rather than later. 
So let's start with this overtime frame, shall we? Because the Rockets were, this was this was one of those games against the Jazz that was just fun. It was like a, a, a fun back and forth basketball game. The Rockets went up by as many as 17 in this game. But the, the reason the Jazz are so good this year is they have a roster that is arguably, you know, 10 to 12 players deep with very high quality NBA players to where they, they are essentially running out like two different kind of starting lineups. Their bench unit is good enough to be a starting lineup in today's NBA. And that's what, you know, helps them survive so many games where, yeah, they go out there and their starters are kind of maybe even, or maybe even losing a little bit to other team starters, but then they sub in their bench unit. And then suddenly their bench is playing out of their mind or, or vice versa as you're staggered throughout the game. And you've got bench versus starters, starters versus bench whatever point being the jazz are a really deep team and that's why they were able to survive and, and kind of withstand that 17 point early deficit and come back and even take the lead at one point late in this game. Thankfully the Rockets were able to survive and tie things up Alperin Shingen with a pair of very clutch free throws to force overtime in this one. Uh, and then the Rockets managed to uh, dodge what would have been a heart wrenching three-point attempt from Colin Sexton at the end of regulation to get into the overtime period in which Jabari Smith Jr. and Alperin Shingun absolutely dominated. They, they, they were the only Rockets to score in the overtime period here. Uh, Alperin Shingun had, I believe it was eight points of the Rockets, 15 in overtime. I want to double-check and make sure I have those numbers correct here. Um... But yeah, Alperin Shingun with, I apologize, Alperin Shingun with seven of the Rockets' 12 points in overtime, and then Jabari Smith Jr. with five of the Rockets' 12 points, the only two Rockets to score in the overtime period. And some of the sequences that we saw there in overtime were so impressive. First off, Alperin Shingun was just dominant throughout the entirety of this game on his way to tying his career-high 37 points. Uh, on 15 of 26 shooting from the floor. He's doing this against Lowry Markkinen and Walker Kessler. These are legit seven-footers that he is absolutely feasting against. And Walker Kessler is no defensive slouch. Walker Kessler is an insane defensive presence. And that's why we saw in this game... Will Hardy, Utah Jazz head coach Will Hardy, make the change at halftime, electing to start Walker Kessler because they needed an answer for Alperin Shingun, and they still didn't get one. Alp, it didn't matter who was up against him in this game. Alp was cooking whoever was guarding him. The only thing that can guard Alperin Shingun at this point is the free throw line. He was 6 of 10 at the free throw line, missing some very important free throws late in this game. In fact, he had... The two key free throws that he missed that he missed uh, at the tail end of overtime, which was, uh, oh my God, like he the the roller coaster at the end of overtime to see Alperin Shingun miss those free throws. Jordan Clarkson dribbling the ball up has a very clear opportunity to 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 win this game in overtime and misses. You know, comes up just a little bit short on the the mid range pull up, kind of in the painted area. The, uh, my heart was pounding out of my chest when that was happening, but there were a lot of moments uh, in this overtime period that were the that were really important. Jabari Smith Jr. he got hurt, but was able to stay in the game and you know shoot his free throws. He missed one of them, made the other one. Uh, Alperin Shingun at one point had the uh, the recovered loose ball off of the the jump ball that happened on the Rockets 
or well, the, the jazz defensive side of the court and Al Brunching was able to recover the loose ball, secure it. And then he had this really filthy spin move. I believe it was on Fontecchio uh, going down baseline and landed the dunk to uh, pull the game. I believe within one basket at that point, late in overtime. He also had a huge block on Walker Kessler uh, while the Utah Jazz led 120 to 119. So, I mean, Shingun was everywhere in this overtime period. Jabari Smith Jr. had some impressive moments. And Amin Thompson had the what was the game-saving block on what was the Rockets' essentially final defensive possession of the game not not the final defensive possession where Clarkson missed the 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 jumper but the one right before that where Jazz are running their half court set Rockets are getting ready to switch everything and Colin Sexton managed to drive the ball in dip a shoulder into Aaron Holiday bump him off and he had a very clean look right there at the rim and Amin Thompson, weak side rim deterrent help, comes in and just absolutely denies uh, Colin Sexton right there at the rim. A a really impressive defensive sequence. Great defensive instincts from Amin Thompson. And for the Rockets to do all of this, and to have to secure this win against a very good Utah Jazz team, to do all of this without Fred Van Vliet on the court was a big that was a, 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 I honestly thought once Fred Van Vliet, he fouled out of this game with about two minutes left in regulation. When that happened, I thought the Rockets were going to lose the game, honestly. Without having Fred Van Vliet out there, without having his steadying hand on the court to calm things down, especially on the offensive end, as well as, you know, what he provides from a defensive standpoint on the floor, I thought the Rockets were going to choke this game away. And it kind of felt like they were going to for a stretch there in overtime when Clarkson hit that three to pull ahead. I think it was four or five points in overtime for the Jazz. I really thought, okay, this is it. This is the Jazz. They're getting ready to run away with this. But credit to the Rockets. They stayed calm, cool, collected. Jabari and Alperin Shingun handled the heavy lifting offensively in the overtime period. Jalen Green, who was... Basically benched at the end of that game. Ime Odoka opting to go with Cam Whitmore instead of Jalen Green to close that one out. Jalen was subbed back in in place of Fred Van Vliet when he fouled out. And Jalen did a good enough job taking care of the basketball, walking it up, getting the Rockets into their offensive sets for the final seven minutes of that game, the two minutes in regulation and the five minutes of overtime. It was a really... Really impressive, much-needed win for this Rockets group after a very, very rough road trip where they went just 1-5 and five on the road. They needed that win against the Utah Jazz, and it's one that you can feel really good about because of how they got the win. They locked in defensively. They were able to survive the overtime period, their first overtime win of the season. They were 0-3 going into that overtime period. Now they picked, they finally picked up their first overtime dub, and they did it without having Fred Van Vliet on the court. I think you can feel really good about that win, the fact that you were able to manage to still come together and win that game despite so many odds stacked against you. Uh, that win feels really, really good for this team. Coming up, I want to share... Other thoughts from this game, some extended kind of notes about the defense being played from Jabari Smith Jr. and Amin Thompson, as well as other thoughts from this one, the Celtics game as well. And then getting into a very uh, 
we got we got to take the gloves off in segment three, and we're going to talk about Cam Whitmore and his role on this team and what it should be moving forward. We're going to get there in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move that you can make that'll take your business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates to choose from. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many different hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, LinkedIn. The process is intuitive, quick, and so easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, for this Rockets 127-126 overtime win against the Jazz, it really kind of felt like a game where stylistically first off one of the reasons the rockets went up so much in that uh in that first half against the Utah Jazz because they, their three ball was falling at a ridiculous level in that first half <clears throat> pardon me uh in the first half of that game the rockets were 8 of 19 from downtown and the jazz were just 5 of 21 so one of the reasons the game kind of came back uh in the second half and why the jazz were able to get back into the game the way that they were in the second half is because the the Rockets three-point shooting regressed quite a bit. They came back to, came kind of crashing back down to reality. They shot just one of 10 from three-point land in that third quarter. The the three-point shooting well kind of drying up for the Rockets there in that third frame. Uh, And they were able to, again, just hold on uh, long enough throughout regulation. And then again, key free throws, key makes down the stretch, um, some key buckets from Alper and Shingoon. That's how they were able to hold on. But they also kind of matched what the Utah Jazz do incredibly well, which is uh, rebounding the basketball. So the Rockets, or sorry, I apologize. The Utah Jazz are the NBA's best offensive rebounding team. And the Rockets actually out-rebounded the Utah Jazz in this game. The Rockets... Uh, I apologize. They out-rebounded them on the offensive glass. So the Utah Jazz had 16 offensive rebounds in this one. The Rockets had 23 offensive rebounds. Alper and Shigun with eight of them. Jabari Smith Jr. with four. Amin Thompson with four of them. Uh, Jay Sean Tate with three offensive rebounds. The Rockets were so active on the offensive glass, generating so many second-chance opportunities. They shot 117 field goals in this game. 117 the Utah Jazz shot 105. So even though the Rockets shot worse from the floor, 42.7% shooting to just to 45.7% for the Utah Jazz, I apologize. And they also shot significantly worse at the free throw line, just under 64% from the free throw line. They gave themselves so many extra possessions by rebounding the basketball that they were able to stay in this game. As far as second chance points go, the Rockets were plus six in the second chance points department. They finished... Uh, with 25 second-chance points in this game to Utah's 19 second-chance points. So they kind of beat Utah at their own game. Utah's really good. They've got a ton of size. Lowry Markinen, Walker Kessler coming off the bench. Um, They've got 
uh, Kelly Olenek, Rockets, former Rockets legend, and they have a ton of rebounding on their team. And even their guards are actually decent rebounders for their size. Um, Colin Sexton had three offensive rebounds. Chris Dunn had a couple offensive rebounds. Jordan Clarkson had a couple offensive rebounds in this game. They're just a team that really prioritizes attacking the glass and generating those second and third opportunities. There were so many of those over the course of this game where you could see that the the size of the Utah Jazz was really getting to the Rockets, unfortunately. And thankfully, it didn't result in a Rockets L, but I really thought that their physicality, they really matched uh, the Utah Jazz pretty well and matched up with them, I thought, as best as they could, uh, given some of the personnel limitations that the Rockets ultimately have. But where I where I was so impressed in this game was really the defense from the Rockets over the course of the entirety of the game. The Rockets played some really phenomenal defense, and I want to give a lot of credit to uh, Jabari Smith Jr., Amin Thompson off the Rockets bench. Again, we talked about his his clutch game-saving block there in segment one, and also Dylan Brooks. Uh, that trio was so effective defensively against the Utah Jazz, holding their best players to some really subpar shooting performances. So the Jazz's best player, Lowry Markinen, their all-star, uh, just 22 points on 8 of 18 shooting. So a really off you know, subpar shooting night for Lowry Markkinen from the floor. And then there are two other significant offensive weapons, Colin Sexton in the starting lineup and then Jordan Clarkson off the bench. Sexton had 28 points, but he took 27 shots to get there. He was just 11 of 27 shooting overall. And then off the bench, Jordan Clarkson, their big gun kind of coming off the bench, 33 points. Absolutely a big night from Jordan Clarkson, but he took 25 shots to get there, just 12 of 25 shooting. So, I think collectively, if you're the Houston Rockets, you have to be really impressed and proud of the defensive effort on those guys. So many different switches. Jabari, at one point or another in this game, was guarding all three of those guys. Um, he was the primary on uh, Laurie Markkinen for certain stretches of the game. Dylan Brooks took his turns on Lowry Markkinen as well. Uh, I Overall, I really liked the Rockets' physicality on those guys. It really felt like they did a great job forcing them into some really tough looks. Um, I, I really didn't think the Jazz got anything easy in this game, and there's a reason that the Rockets were able to hold the Jazz to just a hair over 30% three-point shooting, just 13 of 43 on the evening, 30.2% three-point shooting for the Jazz in this game. It was not a pretty game on either side of the basketball. Like, the the you know, some of the offensive woes, uh, you know, there was some ugly shooting on both sides, the backcourts for both teams kind of struggling. Uh, Jalen Green had a really rough shooting night, just 3 of 12 shooting, 0 of 6 from downtown. Fred Van Vliet, 8 of 19 shooting, only 2 of 10 from behind the three-point arc. Dylan Brooks, 3 of 10 overall shooting. It was a really ugly shooting game for a lot of players in this one. And it was kind of one of those, these are kind of the games that the Rockets have become accustomed to winning this season, right? These ugly, muck it up, slow it down, whatever kind of games. And that's the style that this Rockets team has has become accustomed to playing, and they like playing that way. They like when these games become these slow it down, slog it out kind of ugly affairs because that's where the Rockets actually have an advantage, right? When they're able to walk the ball up and get into their half-court offensive sets, we know that they want to play faster and that they want to be able to get out, get out and transition occasionally and run and gun that way. But they're also a team that's a lot more effective in the half-court offensively than they are in transition, and a big part of that's because their best player, Alperin Shingun, is a half-court player. He's a guy that 
thrives when he's able to get set up in the half court and really go to work and attack a defense. Um, and then on the offense, on sorry, on the opposite side of the ball, defensively, this is a Rockets team that is a lot better when they're able to force half court offensive possessions from the opposing team. When they're able to slow things down and force a team to attack them in the half court, the Rockets defense is almost impenetrable there. That's when their defense is at its best when it's set. Now they've done a really good job limiting transition opportunities this year. They are a much improved transition defense, but there's still moments over the course of a game where if a team does get out and run against this Rockets team enough, they're able to get some cross matches, get some, you know, attack a defense that's not really set. And it's harder for the Rockets to kind of adhere to their defensive principles when they're not matched up properly in the half court, when you've got size, like guys like again, Lowry Markinen, Walker Kessler, who can take advantage of certain mismatches if you don't get matched up properly, getting back in transition, all these little things. So I really thought that this game ultimately favored the Rockets, the style of play, the way that these two teams were playing. Um, the Jazz kind of played directly into the Rockets' hands in how they would like to play these games moving forward. So uh, I, the And one of the other areas for the Houston Rockets that was so impressive in this game, Cam Whitmore off the bench. Um, 17 points on six of 13 shooting. He was four of six from downtown. He had five boards. He had an assist. He had a couple blocks in this game. Cam Whitmore was sensational off the Houston Rockets bench. And coming up, we're going to talk about why it's time for the Houston Rockets to dedicate more reps to Cam Whitmore and who those reps have to come away from in order to be able to do that. We're going to have a hard conversation here in just a moment. We're going to get there. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Better Help. Look, around New Year's, we get completely obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right in our everyday lives. Therapy helps you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme New Year's resolutions and make changes that really stick. I've done therapy in my life and I found it a really beneficial process for myself. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress that you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on NBA. Today's episode is also brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL postseason is underway, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets, guaranteed, guaranteed, when you place just a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose, and all you have to do is wager $5. It's that simple. The app is so easy to use, and there's so many different ways to bet, like live, same-game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and so much more. Go throw some money down on who you think could win the Super Bowl this year. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started and get in on the NFL postseason action. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Before I get into our incredibly hard conversation here in segment three, uh, I wanted to spend just another moment on Amin Thompson and his defense because even though the Rockets lost the game against the Boston Celtics 116-107, I know we've been focusing 
mostly on the win in overtime against the Utah Jazz. Amin's defense was sensational in both games. He got his first career start against the Boston Celtics in the absence of Fred Van Vliet. And in that start, he posted 15 points, career high, 14 rebounds, career high, five assists, one steal, only two turnovers, five of 10 shooting, and five of six from the free throw line. It was an incredible performance from Amin Thompson. What you're seeing from him is an ability to manipulate and impact the game despite the fact that he still doesn't have an outside shot. And that's the main thing for him is is not being content to just sit at the three-point line and let a team ignore you and be a non-factor offensively. And that happens far too often with guys who can't shoot the basketball. And what we're seeing from Amin, though, is he is being active on the offensive glass. Um, he had a he had a, you know, a handful of offensive rebounds against the Jazz. He had three offensive rebounds against the Celtics. He is incredibly active on the glass. He's you know scrapping after loose balls, all that kind of stuff. And he's still able to find a way to be effective in the pick and roll with Alperin Shingun. There were moments in that Celtics game where... Amin Thompson would drive and get downhill and collapse the defense and just pitch it back to Alperin Shingun, who was right there just inside the free throw line, able to do his little, you know, little shot put that he's got in his bag, which is basically an automatic bucket at this point in Alpi's career, it feels like. Um, and even Alperin Shingun was able to find Amin Thompson under the basket. You know, uh, you know, Amin would drive, pitch it to Alpi, defense would suddenly then, you know, adjust and two defenders would collapse on Alpi, and then Alpi had that insane behind the back pass to a mentor like there's there's a a creativity and a, and a connection between those two already because they're both such high level passers they process the game at such a high level that they're reading the game at the same speed as one another to where a man makes these snap quick second decisions about how to pass the basketball the same way that Alper and Shingun does so as those two guys get more reps with each other on the floor Ultimately, one of them is going to have to develop a shot long term because you have to be complementary. Your two pieces can't be, you know, like oil and oil and water where they just don't mix together. Um, and I do think having two non shooters on the floor is is a recipe for disaster down the line. But at least we're seeing some moments. We're seeing some promising moments between those two guys. And that's some really encouraging stuff. So a lot of impressive play from Amin Thompson. His defense has been on another level. Um, did a really great job. The Rockets, you know, with with Amin Thompson and Dylan Brooks, did a really solid job against Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum in this game against the Celtics. Tatum just 4 of 17 shooting. Jalen Brown 6 of 14 shooting. Uh, it was all the other guys that they did a really terrible job of containing. Porzingis had 32 points on 11 of 21 shooting. Uh, Derek White had 21 points on 9 of 19 shooting. Uh, and then just a... a a variety of different guys off the bench. Peyton Pritchard hit three threes for nine points off the bench. Uh, they gave up some buckets to O'Shea Brissett. Uh, Luke Cornett had some buckets. Like it was just the Rockets did a really bad job, uh, you know, against guys not named Tatum and Brown in that Celtics loss. So, all right, here we are because we're at a point where we are exactly, we're actually a little over halfway through this season. And I think that by all metrics, by eye test, advanced stats, whatever you want to look at, uh, Jalen green has underperformed this season. That's, that's not an opinion. That's not a take. That's just facts. Um, he, his numbers 
are currently worse than they were in his rookie year, percentage-wise. Um, in fact, I'll, I'll actually get the numbers up because I feel like that's that's a, a fair point to share in this conversation. Uh, currently, Jalen Green is shooting under 40% from the floor. He is shooting 32% from the three-point line. Uh, his true shooting percentage is just under, I believe, 52% now. Uh, his scoring totals are down at, across the board. His numbers are down. He doesn't look like he's comfortable out there right now. And it's tough. It's a tough position to be in. Um, he is effectively the third option, you know, offensively behind Alper and Shangun and Fred Van Vliet on a nightly basis. And the Rockets have tried seemingly every which way to get Jalen Green going this season offensively. Um, they've tried subbing him out early and letting him run the second unit, and that didn't look good. They then, after that experiment, they tried uh, involving him more as a primary ball handler amongst the starters and getting him more reps with Alper and Shingun to, to the point where we saw you know, games where the Rockets would start and it was very clear and very apparent in the first quarter, they would run like the first like three, four or five plays of the game specifically for Jalen Green to try to get him going. Or if he couldn't get it going early in the game, then they would replicate and do that same exact thing later in the game in the third quarter. They'd come back from halftime and they would spend the first, you know, three, four or five possessions in the third quarter trying to get Jalen Green going because he's very much a rhythm player. Jalen is a guy who throughout his career, um, with the Ignite, first two years with the Rockets, he always had the ball in his hands, right? He had plenty of opportunities to kind of, you know, get himself out of a funk or get himself going, and the stakes were pretty low for the first two years of his career, right? The Rockets weren't playing meaningful basketball games. They were intentionally losing. They were bottoming out. They were tanking, and so you were afforded the runway to just let Jalen kind of go out there and, and shoot, and some games he was able to, you know, start off a little rocky and then and then find himself over the course of a game and it kind of worked but the inconsistencies were still there on a game by game basis and the it's, the inconsistencies have gotten even worse this season to where you know he had a stretch there where he was shooting the ball slightly better from three point land he had like a, a little 8 to 10 game stretch there but it was that was kind of a blip right like it's it's at a point where Jalen has shown improvement. He's improved as a defender. He has improved as a playmaker. Um, it's not that he hasn't grown in other areas of the game, but he has actively regressed in the number one area where he needs to be a consistent force, which is his scoring. That's what he was drafted to do. He was drafted to be a scorer. And right now he's not doing that. He's not knocking down wide open shots that he's getting. He is struggling to get himself going offensively. And he is actively holding back the rocket starters from this team being the best version of itself. That's, that's kind of where we're at. He, if you cannot look at the Rockets' starting five lineup and objectively say that Jalen green has been the weakest link amongst the five starters this season, then I don't know what to tell you. Cause that's just the facts. That's, that's what it's been this year. Now I say all this to say that I am not whatsoever out on the idea of Jalen Green as a basketball player. Not whatsoever. I Again, I have, I gave like a month ago, whatever it was, like an impassioned speech here on the show about how badly I wanted Jalen Green to succeed, how badly I wanted him to be a good player because he's like the, the first 
piece of the puzzle in the Rockets rebuild, right? They, they immediately move on from the James Harden era, best two guard of the 2010s. They draft Jalen Green. We have high hopes that he's going to be the best two guard of the 2020s. And we're two and a half years into his career, and it just isn't look like, looking like it's materializing. Now, does that mean Jalen Green is is a bust? Does that mean he is never going to work out? Does that mean he's going to you know not have a good... Absolutely not. But something, I think, has to change. And maybe you're in favor of giving Jalen the rest of the, the year to figure it out. Sure. And we can agree to disagree there. But I think that we are exactly halfway through the season at this point. We've seen more or less of the same from Jalen Green. And the Rockets have tried. Again, I, I already illustrated all the different ways they've tried to get Jalen Green more involved, get him going, break him out of whatever mental funk that he's in this year. And none of it's working. So, and you even, most recent example, you have a Celtics game in which, you know, I think one of the one of the kind of weirder running arguments for why Jalen Green is struggling this year is he needs the ball in his hands because having Fred Van Vliet out there and, and you know, he's taking the ball away from Jalen Green and Fred Van Vliet is, is holding Jalen Green back, which I think is an absurd argument, but let's go with that as an argument for a second, right? No Fred Van Vliet in the game against the Celtics. Jalen Green was poised to be the primary ball handler to do basically whatever he wanted that game. And he had some, he had some strong drives. He had some good, you know, he had some good plays. It wasn't a horrible game from Jalen Green, but he had 16 points. He was seven of 18 shooting only one of six from downtown. Like it was, you know, he had a chance to have a, a big Jalen Green game to be like, yeah, you know, no Fred, I'm going to take over. I'm going to do this. Didn't get much from him. Right. There's just moments where at times you kind of forget that he's even on the floor. Um, and so I think at this point, the Rockets need a change. And I think it would be best served for Jalen and for the Rockets to bring him off the bench. That's kind of where I'm at is, is I'd like to see Jalen green come off the Houston Rockets bench. I'd like to see him approach the game with a different mentality, uh, because right now his skill set is better suited to be a sixth man. It just is. He's a microwave scorer. He can get incredibly hot when he's got it going. And when he's got it going, he can single-handedly win you some games. But he's not consistent enough to be, I think, a focal point of a team. Because if he doesn't have it going, then being forced to go back to him consistently, right? Being forced to end the half with him or start the third quarter with him or end a game with him because he feels like he's always oh, one of your starters. You got to keep going back to him. Even when he's having a bad game, we've seen Ime. He doesn't do that, right? He'll go with whoever's got the hot hand. He'll go with whoever deserves the playing time. And I think that objectively there have been a lot of games this season where Ime has still stuck with Jalen, even when he's been struggling because it's a very delicate balance to not completely destroy Jalen green's confidence. And you want to, hopefully try and find a way to get him out of whatever rut that he's in, but it just hasn't worked in the variety of ways the Rockets have done it. So I teed this segment up as talking about why Cam Whitmore deserves minutes. And unfortunately, these are a lot of the reasons why he deserves minutes because right now Cam Whitmore is, I believe the better prospect, the better shooting guard, the better player on this Rockets roster. Um, He's the better shooter. He is flat out just a better scorer at this point. It feels like it. He's better shooting off off the catch. He's better attacking off closeouts. He's better finishing around the rim. 
Uh, he's just a more complimentary, seamless fit with the other players on this roster. You throw Cam Whitmore into that starting lineup and that starting lineup suddenly has a lot of juice because then you've got a knockdown three-point shooter in Cam Whitmore to keep the spacing alive, to accentuate what Alper and Shingun and Fred Van Vliet do as the one-two punch for this team. Uh, he's a more physical player. He gives you more size. Uh, he helps with the switchability on defense. And arguably, one-on-one -on -one defense, he might be a better player there already too because he stonewalls guys on drives. Now, that's not to say Cam Whitmore's not without his drawbacks. He's 19. He's a rookie. He's going to make a ton of rookie mistakes. Offensively, defensively, he's going to tunnel vision at times. Offensively, he's going to make the wrong reads. Defensively, he's going to have to learn and adjust and, and grow and get you know more accustomed to the schemes, all this, right? He's got, he's two and a half years behind the learning process from Jalen Green. But I think right now, objectively, he is the better bet. He's the safer bet between the two. And he's got sky-high potential, potentially even maybe greater potential than Jalen Green did coming in as a rookie. And you're seeing that. He has produced in limited minutes. He's playing winning basketball as a rookie. And that's the tough decision that the Rockets are faced with is you've got arguably a better player right now, a younger player, a better player, a better prospect that you could go to right now. But once the toothpaste is out of the tube, you can't put it back in. So once that decision is made, if that decision gets made, if Ime Udoka were to put Cam Whitmore in the starting lineup over Jalen Green, which I think there's a very, very strong argument here that that is the right decision to be made, then that's all she wrote. Because one, whatever confidence Jalen Green has left as a player, you would potentially be shattering it if you were to move him to the bench in favor of starting his rookie counterpart in Cam Whitmore that would be something you can't really take back. That's a hard conversation to have. And then two, you're also signaling to the other 29 teams in the association that Jalen Green is no longer a starter for your organization. Now, that's okay if you still think that the long-term play is you can unlock something with Jalen Green as your sixth man. And if you want to hold on to him long-term, you want to hold on to him through this season, through next year, and you really want to slow play it, and see if he can tap into something as a productive sixth man, then sure, by all means, make that move. But the moment you make that move, I think you completely tank any and all potential trade value that Jalen Green has because you're signaling to the other 29 teams that he's potentially damaged goods and that there's something not working there. But a change of scenery could do him a lot of good. Sometimes that's all you need. Sometimes you just need to shake things up. And this Rockets team needs a shakeup right now. They do. Because they were not, they they did not mince words about their their goals, their aspirations for the season. Yes, this year is about development, but Ime Odoka said it himself. He has not missed the playoffs ever in his career. He doesn't plan to miss the playoffs. And this team, for this team to maximize, to be the best version of itself, Jalen Green is actively holding them back. They are a better team when Jalen Green is off the basketball floor. When Jalen Green is off the court, they are a six and a half point better team. 6.52 net rating. When he's off the floor, they're a minus 3.13 when he's on the court. They are a, it's almost a 10 point swing. They're a better team when he is not on the basketball floor. Now that's not to say that he can't tap into something and maybe it's there as a six man, right? They just did, they, the Utah Jazz just did it with Jordan Clarkson. He was starting for them. He was struggling. It didn't work. They, they flipped it. They put Sexton in the starting lineup and they moved Clarkson to the bench. 
And suddenly the Utah Jazz went on a tear. It worked out great for them. Sometimes all you need as a player is a change of scenery. And that's not to say that it can't be, that it has to be a permanent change. Maybe they do it for 10 games or so. And maybe it, it, it ignites something in Jalen and he taps into something and he, he, he locks in and he starts playing some of the best basketball of his career. And then they move him back to the starting lineup. Who knows? But this Rockets team needs a change. And it's unfortunate that they've got that they've dealt with so many injuries and they were missing Dylan Brooks and they're still missing Tari Eason because Tari would also be the immediate answer. Like Tari has played good enough to be one of the he's one of the best five players on this team. And that would be a seamless switch. Just throws Tari into the starting lineup, move Dylan Brooks down to the two guard spot and call it a day. And then you don't have to worry about hurting anybody's feelings with Cam Whitmore in the starting lineup instead of Jalen Green and all that. But but that's the argument right here is. The Rockets have a better prospect, I think, in Jay, in 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 Cam Whitmore than Jalen Green. He's a better shooting guard prospect. He's shown more in limited minutes. And at what point do you say enough is enough and you stop giving the extended reps, the extended run to Jalen Green and potentially minimize his role, change his role, put him in a different spot to succeed? I already highlighted all the different ways the Rockets have tried to enable him, empower him to be good this season and and none of it has worked so far. So this is the logical next step unless you're willing to just be in a holding pattern for the rest of the season and just let him keep doing the same thing game by game and and leave him in the starting lineup. It's a tough decision, but I think it's one that has a lot of there's a, there's a very strong argument behind it right now. So how do you feel about it? Would you would you want to see Cam Whitmore take over the starting shooting guard spot? Would you want to see Jalen Green move to the bench? Maybe not in favor of Cam Whitmore, but maybe once Tari Eason is healthy, would you want to see that as the Rockets starting lineup? It feels like this team needs a change. So what change would you like to see from Ime Odoka and company? How would you feel about all of this that I just laid out in front of you? This, this, this is the hard conversation we were going to have. So let me know your thoughts in the YouTube comments. If you haven't done so yet, it Consider subscribing to the show wherever you listen to your podcast or on YouTube, search Locked on Rockets, like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. Give me your thoughts because this is a really, this is like the storyline this season is what's been going on with Jalen Green. And whatever resolution the Rockets come to here, whether it's staying the course, whether it's benching him, whether it's trading him, it's going to be a storyline until there's a resolution, until something concrete is done. So give me your thoughts. Let me know how you feel about the situation in the YouTube comments. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.